There's too many homelosers, too many trammers, but I like to watch them for rotten treasure. <laughs> this podcast is not. I mean, not the pot. I don't mean to generalize. Strike that. Start again. Thank you. (laughs) But this is right at the beginning. This is right at the beginning before people start, before we do the hellos and the introductions. This is John. This is future John at the beginning. And and the John that's in the podcast isn't going to know that I'm going to be saying this. And this is crazy. But uh, there is no fucking structure or point or relevance or nuance or <laughs> relevant insight to Ocean's 13 at all. Like we barely are able to touch on anything concerning the movie. It's like a cursory glance. It's like like a like an absolute nick of a graze of a bullet passing by somebody's flesh. We didn't uh-huh. even draw blood on the movie that is Ocean's 13. If you're looking for any relevant conversation <laughs> concerning the Oceans franchise, go a different direction. <laughs> You'll find another podcast. This is not for you. If you want to hear three people just kind of talk around different subjects, <laughs> not really say anything, then buckaroo, buckle up. Uh, Stick sure. around, strap in. Grab your favorite drink, maybe a snack. You're in for a ride. Hi. Welcome to Rotten Treasure. We watched Ocean's 13. I'm your host, Jim O'Donnell. With me, as always, is the other host, Kai Bobby. Hi. How are you, Jim? Good. How are you? I felt like uh, we come in real uh, uh, bright. (laughs) Speaking of bright. Oh, yeah. Speaking of bright, here's our guest. Uh, He's a certified bad boy. It's John Plester. Hi! Hi! <laughs> I really hope I lived up to the uh, the best high that you've ever had, Kai. I wouldn't say that's the best high you've given me. I want to collect all of them, because we've been doing this for like a year and a half now. Um, and I really do want to have an episode where we rank them. Um, do you want to Do you want to find at this point? Because it's something I ask for usually. Like, we can, We'll find it. We'll, that's we'll, okay. Yeah, no, we'll put a whole episode of just you saying hi for 45 minutes out. Yeah, we don't need to that do that. That sounds like an interesting end of year episode that you can really... So- I Listen, first of all, don't let me tell you how to run your fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a very interesting end of year episode. Uh, you know, you look back on the year, you look back on some of the movies you've watched, maybe some of the movies that have come out, mm-hmm. and then you rank your best highs with a, a, a group of uh, judge... Judges, jurors, and executioners. Ooh, that would actually be a very fun episode to do. Get all of our, I don't want to say all of our favorite guests, because that implies that we have not favorite guests. Mm. I will say you're going to get judged very heavily on that one hello you gave, because I didn't like it when you did it. Like, it bothered me when you switched it. I was like, oh, that's that's not the show No, you did a hello once? Jim, what's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) I think the one with, uh, uh, was like Rob Aliciani and Chris Newcomer. When I did yeah. that one, that one was especially like strange and like changed the energy in the room. Yeah, that's not good. People want to listen to a podcast. They don't want to get lectured by their vice principal. <laughs> <laughs> I want to prove that wrong. I would love to get my vice prin- like ex vice principal in <laughs> on an episode. Oh, yeah. I don't know if Sister Catherine would be available for that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, I've asked some wild card people like I've hit up people's DMs on Instagram 
yeah, Ben like, Schwartz. I hit up Ben Schwartz. I was like, dude, you want to come on a podcast? <laughs> yeah. No. You know how many he gets of those every day? A thousand. Day? A million. And everybody thinks like, oh, nobody else is doing this. I'm the one who's shooting oh. my shot. No, no, no. No, it's no, everyone. No. I was just in a sea. No, a no, no. sea of people shooting their shot. I just have some days have hypomania and I'm just like... This is probably a call, and this is that I have to have to make and fully believe it's gonna happen. I the best thing about hypomania is you know that like wish when you put a letter in the mail and you're like Santa's gonna love this. There's there's just some sort of like blind hope that I have uh, into just assuming <laughs> that like it's gonna work out and someone's gonna say yes. I'm always just gonna throw it out, even though it could be a, a you know million one. Maybe it's the day where he's just like ah oh, fucking lottery. I'll say yes to one. Who fucking knows? You never know. I think that's I think that's a that's a good energy to feel like that you can perpetually cast your rod without any blowback. Uh, but like uh, just like, uh, yeah, having the confidence, not even the confidence, but just like the sheer blind hope. I think there's something pure about it. Uh, I have like the opposite problem where I'm where I, I have the the opposite of of the the Kai Bobby hypomania. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I'm constantly shooting myself in the foot by uh, not putting myself out there and not, oh. you know, making taking that big leap. But when Got I it. do, things tend to work out. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those yeah. things that just goes to show. Is this become? I thought we were talking about movies, not like really bland. Um, no, no, like no, no. Tumblr advice. No, no, no. We're getting. <laughs> this is this is going to be at least the next twenty minutes, folks. Strap in, Jim. What I, was, I was gonna say, John. Same, same for me. This is why Kai is the perfect uh, other host for the show because they will throw it to anyone. Just go to everyone, and like I'm nervous talking to like my friends. We've we've I I get I've I think we had to ask. Oh, I had to ask Victor Tran, a guy I'm friends with, hang out with him a lot. <laughs> I uh, I was like, uh, do you want to like come on the podcast? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I, I was nervous for like days before having to do that. Here, let me just pick up that name you dropped, Jim. <laughs> Victor Tran. <laughs> Victor Tran. I also think it'd be funny. I, I don't know if this is like uh, completely, you know, uh, peeling back the curtain on the podcast is that they, they, they did give me free reign, Jim and Kai to, if I put my foot in my mouth, mm-hmm. if I say something, I realize, oh, oh I, you know, behind the said somebody's shit. name that I probably shouldn't have said on the podcast. Go they gave it. me full license to strike the record. Yep. And I think it would be really funny right now if I requested you, you strike the record from the beginning of the podcast up until this point. Sure. And we just kind of jump into something completely different. The okay. energy's all the way up. <laughs> yeah. The context, <laughs> there is none anymore for the, for the, the, the audience. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to request a, a, a record strike. No and so I want the audience to be coming into this. I'm going to request various record strikes over the course of the podcast. <laughs> We're jumping around completely without context, willy-nilly, and everybody's just going to have to catch up. It's kind of like when you read Infinite Jest and you're like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. And then uh, and then you throw it down a flight of stairs before you give it away. Um, <laughs> Please do. Yeah, so let's let's just completely jump around. Yeah, I want bit. this to read. Also, we should this should be the first nonlinear podcast. <laughs> I think I don't think that this podcast should should function beginning, middle, end. It I think has. it can really. I think it can really. We can be a, a little bit more adventurous with the form. I think that <laughs> I I haven't listened to a single episode, but I can say that you're both consummate cowards. Mm-hmm. I think that you yeah. aren't taking any risks, and I think if we're gonna live within the Kai Bobby method a blind hope uh i think people will understand what we're doing with you know this what? we don't need a we don't need a fucking hollywood fucking podcast we don't need to follow three act structure <laughs> we can we can get real fucked up with this podcast 
Yeah. Have you ever seen that uh, someone re-edited Star Wars so that it's in order of shot length? Wait, so th- really? <laughs> yeah. This isn't like Topher Grace, like completely recutting it because nobody wants him in movies anymore. This is somebody else did this. Yeah, I, I don't know who it was. Some some person edited, uh, re-edited Star Wars by shot length. So it's like, at first it's like a bunch of blaster shots because the blasters all are like half second shots. And then yeah. slowly it just becomes the credits because the credits are all one long shot. Sure. Could you do me a favor and say something to your future self? Um how do I how am I gonna do this? So I need you to say something to like 45 minutes from now, John. Do you John. think you could Yeah yeah? <laughs> but I'm John, trying to listen. think but as you're if, if you're talking to the past you, how am I gonna edit this? <laughs> well here can I if I give a me- what the fuck's the point of this? <laughs> you gotta give me better direction. Right, if I'm gonna right, say no, anything really to future self, it's gonna be I'm sorry. I know your blood sugar is already low when you started this podcast. It's probably gonna be real, real bad. Look, I'm gonna once strike we get to the end of this. I'm gonna strike everything for that was right there where it sounded like I didn't know what I was doing. Um, right. I'm gonna come yeah, right back you don't to want the to come off as incompetent on your own fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? What are the rules on this podcast? I don't what know what you said. I don't I know. Said, <laughs> you're <gonna play> it <laughs> back. I said you can bully either one of us as hard as you want, just not me. <laughs> I will cry. No, it's it's this is fucking Dutch door action. If Jim's getting it, you're getting it too, Kai. You're going both oh. ways. Thank you. Finally. Uh, Inclusion. Yeah. What was I introduced as? The certified motherfucker? It's happening. (laughs) (laughs) You opened Pandora's box. I'm taking control of this podcast. All right. Uh, I need you to write down. Jim, can you write all these down? We're going to say one line um, that by the end of the episode, I need you to be able to say something that is in reference to that line that I can then clip like either right before it or right after it. And it's going to exist in the episode. It's just like one full sentence. You're making so much work for yourself. I know. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something. This is what it's like texting Kai all the time. Kai will like. Wow. You get texts. I just get voice messages that are both charming, (laughs) but also really inconvenient (laughs) for me to listen to it. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to be honest. That's the best way to describe those. That's the best way anyone's ever described those audio messages from me. It is voice. Me- I'll get voice messages from Kai that's just like, okay, here's an idea. We get the guests to come on and they're going to do a segment that's 20 At minutes that point, long. I don't listen to the rest because I'm taking the phone away from my face to check the length on it. <laughs> How far is the bar moves across? <laughs> I've gotten like two, I've gotten like full, like two, three minute messages from Kai that's like these insane ideas. I'm like, and we're not doing that guy. It's crazy because I am such like, they were very nice like in the moment, but then I realized like, I'm such a Strike that from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I cannot fucking same. remember anything that somebody tells me, no, which same. is why I was a terrible improviser. I need like visual or I need like to refer back to like text or something like that. But I'm that. so bad at like, I, I would not be able to like process that information. Uh, a random idea that a random thought I just had. Do you have trouble uh, listening to the words of songs? I mean, I always have until now. Are you going to diagnose me with something? No, no, because this is something that I've noticed that people are just like just now um, talking about because I can't I can't picture words and songs. I, I It's impossible for me. I don't remember any of the words. They're just mouth sounds to me. I, I can't I physically can't do it. I think like some songs for sure, but other songs I definitely 
Well, it, it, it depends. Does this question apply to the Cocktoo twins or not? No. This is a joke. That was a joke that didn't land. I guess neither <laughs> of you are familiar with the Cocktoo twins. I, don't worry, I struck it. It's gone. It didn't happen. It's gone. They're a shoegaze <laughs> band, and the lyrics are completely indecipherable. They're beautiful. It's a beautiful band. But somebody did a um, like a TikTok. There was like a, kind of a TikTok trend within spaces you can strike all this because this is all very boring no, where no, it was like no, no. it was like a challenge that was like uh can you like sing along to a cocktail twin song and it's all like we're striking all that and we're coming back in i don't know because i was about to say I, how much I, usable I, podcast have we actually fucking recorded about three minutes that's my guess i'll do this myself i'll edit this whole thing it's gonna be so fucking weird i'm so sorry don't worry we're gonna go back to the regular episode soon but i we wanted to say I, I, no 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 we just start it Let's start over. (laughs) Hi, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to the Rock. All right, start, Jim. Give me your best. Hello. Hello, Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rotten Treasure. We watched Ocean 13. I'm your host, Jim O'Donnell. With me is always uh, the other host, Kai Bobby. Hey, Jim. How are you? Good. How are you? Certified bad boy. It's John Plester. That was a terrible intro because you also cut into you having banter with Kai. Again, I didn't want to come in and, and really tell you all how to do things around here. But I feel like like if I if I walked away from this podcast and didn't tell you, I wouldn't be able to sleep. Today. No, because right. Like you don't you have any, you don't like if someone listened to this episode first, they'd be like, I have no gauge of who these two people are. I don't know their relationship or anything. They don't clearly don't care about each other at all. You didn't check in with me. All right. Hi, welcome to Ron Treasure. No, energy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Hi. No, that's too aggressive. <laughs> that's too aggressive for you? Grow fucking backbone, Jim. Come on. Come at me. Give me your best aggressive hi. Hi. Welcome to Ron Treasure. I'm your host. No, we watched Ocean's 13. I'm your host, Jim O'Donnell. With me, as always, the other host, Kai Bobby. It's me, Jim. How are you? Hi, Kai. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm well. Also uh, good is certified bad boy, John Plester. Ooh, ah! <laughs> right? <laughs> Down with the sickness? Yeah, if, I'm oh, sorry we don't oh. have intro music for you, but we should. <laughs> Ooh, ah! Uh, I could probably add, like can can you edit that Jim where it actually sounds really <laughs> cool and then we'll put that in the background of the intro. Yeah 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 sure thanks. Uh, um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we haven't been on it at all. Yeah, I've been here for fifteen fucking minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something, John. Totally random, like out of nowhere. It, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is gonna work out. I'm <laughs> gonna go. I can't do this. <laughs> I changed my mind entirely. Um, we don't think we've ever had a walkout. You can. You can. <laughs> That would be amazing. Folks, that was it. Uh, John left. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's the last time we ever saw that, John. <laughs> uh, Jim, is it appropriate to ask, can we get into the, the question? Yeah, sure. Um, John, what is your relationship with the entire Ocean's Eleven franchise as a whole? Oh, God. Right. I, I love the Ocean's franchise <laughs> as a whole. Um, I do. I, I really do. I think I think they're some of my favorite movies. Uh, I love the cast. I love Steven Soderbergh. I think uh, his direction is immaculate. His vision complete. Um, I think they're just fun movies. I think it's. I think they're just really charming and incredibly fun movies. 
the um, Oceans 11, 12, and 13. Did you like 12? I like 12. I think people, I think like people need to, I think people give Oceans 12 a lot of flack. Yeah. Uh, because it kind of does jump the shark a little bit. I think Ocean's 13 is 100% a return to form. Mm-hmm. But I think, as with everything, I think you just need to enjoy it for what it is. I think there's still like a lot of great moments. I think there's like this great sort of classic, uh, like, s- s- like you know, spy movie, you know, heist movie motif of like this cat and mouse game across Europe. I think that's really fun. I think also it has one of the fucking best moments of the Oceans franchise as a whole when they have Julia Roberts mm-hmm. play herself in character. Incredible. I Incredible. am I am so glad you said that because so far everyone has agreed that that's a very hacky joke that 100% works uh, within that movie. I don't even think it's hacky because I really? have never seen that in a movie movie mm-hmm. before, and I doubt I will see it again. They completely shattered the fourth wall uh, in, in in certain respects, but completely retained it in other respects. Like, yeah, it it's g- incredible. We've all had that thought of watching, I don't know, fucking Andrew Garfield in Spider-Man, and you're always wondering, in this universe... Does Andrew Garfield exist in Never Let Me Go or whatever? Mm. I guess that was like the closest movie I think that <laughs> to that time to like the first the the Amazing Spider-Man. But like, like I think that thought is so funny, and they just straight up decided that Julia Roberts exists in a universe where Julia Roberts is also a character. I think it's an incredible choice. I think it's amazing, and I will defend it uh, until the day I die. I'm pretty sure I shit on I can't remember. I can never keep track of what I've said about like everything every single time I do these movies. I'm pretty yeah. sure I had mixed feelings about that. Uh, the more and more people talk about it, the more and more I get convinced to be like, yeah, it's good. All right. Because uh, yeah. I guess I was kind of neutral on it. Uh, I liked uh, I liked Bruce. I like I think Bruce did a good job of like coming in and like the, the two of them yeah. together was really good. Um, and then 12. It's like I think you get the whole point of the podcast. It, it's. It's not the best movie, but it's still, it's still, it's maybe not the, you know, whatever. It's a little rotten, but it's still a treasure. That's the I, point. You get it. I think the way you described it, because I described it this way, was it's fine. I had fun. Like, not, it's not like cinema, but like, it was fine. Right. That's the, but that's the point of all these Oceans movies. They're not, I think, uh, you, are, are both of you, do you do Letterboxd? Are you on Letterboxd? I am I not on Letterboxd, actually. Letterboxd is a is a is a website where uh, it's kind of like a social media site for but for like keeping track of movies that you want to watch and movies okay. that you've seen. So you can keep a diary, basically, where you that's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. look up a movie and then and then rate it. You can leave a review and like social media sites. You can see the people that you follow and other people what they've also reviewed the movies as. Nice. Yeah. And so me and my friends, we do Letterboxd. We keep track of the movies that we watch. We rank them sometimes we you know leave little reviews and stuff like that it's you know just for us and just you know it's yeah i when i write reviews it's just for my friends to see and like you know little funny jokes or whatever Mm -hmm. but um but a a big thing that we talk about constantly is like when you're rating a movie when you're giving it you know between one and five stars what are you thinking about are you thinking about contextually within the scope of cinema is this a five-star movie because certainly i have oceans 11 ranked probably like four and a half stars on letterbox. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. does that add up to like some of these like amazing 
classic movies that we want to have? Like, probably not. But I think that I like to rank movies and think about movies in terms of how successful are they in doing the thing that they set out to accomplish and the journey that they take the audience on. And Ocean's 12 is extremely successful in what it sets out to do. I think it's fun. It's silly. It's self-aware. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I think it's extremely different from Ocean's 11 and 13. It's hard to compare those because those exist within the paradigm of Las Vegas and not to like, you know, kind of wax cliches, but Las Vegas and the casinos and all that is a character in the movie. And so yeah. it's weird to kind of take them out of that. It's like sending Shrek to Mars. Like we don't really know what to make of it if we yeah. send them to Europe and introduce this like new antagonist that kind of feels like outside of this existing kind of like framework of the movies. But at the end of the day, movies aren't real and it's a fun story with a lot of fun beats. Yeah. I, so I do, uh, I do a similar thing with IMDb where I, I've, I've rated every movie I've ever seen on IMDb. And sure. when I do uh, the one to 10 stars, I do it in terms of whether or not I enjoyed it. That's really the only criteria I have. Yeah. If I really enjoyed it, 10 stars, it did it. Uh, 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 I don't, I can't think of a movie that I, the graduate 10 stars loved it. It's one of my favorite yeah. movies. Super fun. Eight, I think that oceans 13, I give it eight stars. There's a yeah. ton of movies I've given eight stars that are in the scope of cinema, not nearly like that is way better than this movie. But I enjoyed it. Eight out of ten stars. I loved it. And that's exactly what it is, is is about rating movies relative to what they set out to accomplish. I just watched this movie uh, called Inspector Ike, which okay. is uh, a, a, it was like a small like budget comedy made by a group of uh, people in New York um directed by graham mason who does like a lot of stuff with like a, a lot of all comedians there certainly like you can tell the movie was shot way 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 on a budget uh they have like only a handful of locations probably the biggest name in it is john early you know mm -hmm. um but i gave that a four and a half because i thought like considering the budget considering the restraints like they did an incredible it's a, such a fun movie it's such a fun and charming movie but right under that, I have, you know, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Huge, sure. huge scope of a movie. Two stars because I don't think it did a good job at at what it set out to do. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's all relative. And I think, like, when we look at these movies, especially movies that don't take themselves as seriously, I think we need to look or, like, you know, don't take themselves as seriously, not in the context of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, but in the context of, of An Ocean's Twelve. We need to think about those movies in relative to what the goals are, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, and which I, that's, um, I think I, I talked to Sheila, but I think I said this to Sheila when uh, she was on, which was when she talked about it, she talked about like the theme and how it, and how it pertained to how they, how successful they were with that. And I think that's the way to review a movie. Cause I yeah. really, I really don't care about the, like the nitpicky thing of like, oh, they didn't do, uh, the, the, oh, uh, uh, out of nowhere, Matt Damon seemed like he was in a board movie. That's strange. Um, but they, uh, but when you come in, when you think about the themes of like, what are the characters going through? Like what's, what's happening to them? Uh, like such as Ruben and his, uh, and him being, uh, undercut by Al Pacino. Yeah. Uh, 
like how does that play into the whole theme of the movie because she talked about in the second one it's all about them being like it's the the idea of it is it's a fish out of water they're all they're all it's it's 12 fishes out of water mm-hmm. and then uh how does that like affect them as as they get older because it's a lot of like a lot of the jokes are like george clooney he looks like he's 50 he's like 40 in the movie right. things like that yeah, and then how I, successful were they with that message? All right, can we talk about Ocean's Thirteen now? Because I'm really chomping at the bit. Yeah, yeah, go, go. At the bit. Uh, Ocean's Thirteen, fucking, I love this movie. I think it's a terrific movie. I don't think it's good as, as good as Ocean's Eleven, yep. but there's so much to love in this in this film. I think it's extremely successful at what it does. Fucking throwing Al Pacino into yeah. the Ocean's franchise. What an mm-hmm. amazing choice! Oh, just I, having. Al Pacino show up and being the antagonist. Amazing. I questioned whether Loved or not it. he would have been a better choice for the first movie. Imagine if this franchise kicked it off with Al Pacino being the first. Would that have been like I don't know? Is that going to the moon right away? Like who's who? who like I don't know where you would go after that. When instead of um uh uh Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, no way. You need Andy Garcia. Okay, that's just how it has smart, to start. Because he is that he is that smarmy quality. You know, mm-hmm. Al Pacino's just he's basically I mean, ever since Heat, he's just playing the same character in every movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> I always think of it as a scent of a woman because he, he seems sure. to be playing I mean, that if guy. You go that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can go that far back. He's just been playing the same character <laughs> and they need that. I think that was what was missing in in, in uh, Ocean's 12 mm-hmm. is you don't have that like antagonist that you can latch on to. But I mean, There's there's a few things that I want to touch on with this movie that we can just list them out. We can kind of hit them if we hit them. We hit them if we don't. We don't. Yeah. Um. Um. The motif of Claire de Lune at the fountain. Amazing. Amazing choice. Love Mm -hmm. it. Uh, Al Pacino, uh, particularly when Al Pacino uh, name checks Travis Pastrana, the uh, (laughs) motocross rider, and it's uh, extremely clear that. He has no fucking clue who Travis Pastrana is. Yeah. He's the first man to do a double backflip on a motorcycle, man. Awesome. We all watched it. Remember the X Games? They didn't have any commercials for when he was trying, and he tried like 13 times, and he finally got it. <laughs> we all remember. remember. That. Um, <laughs> and then uh, one of the things that I, I uh, really, really, really want to dive deep into, and this is my um, Julia Roberts bit of the movie in terms mm. of like, this is the craziest choice they could have made and it lands 100% for me, is just not having uh, Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck in a majority of the movie and just sending them down to Mexico to unionize a dice factory. It's one of choice. the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, I'm so glad. I loved that part of the movie. The, <laughs> yeah. the whole, every time they'd come back and there was a bigger, like, there's a bigger thing going on in the revolution is oh, yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Throwing Casey fucking Apple's Molotov cocktails. Yeah. Hangs it up to throw a Molotov cocktail. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's, I, so, it's so terrific. And yeah. it's so funny. And it's not at all integral. Like, obviously, like, it's a part of the plot because they need to, fix the dice you know like to actually you know pull off the heist in the way that they want to 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 distract you know all the all the pit bosses and you know so they can do the switch whatever but uh holy cow did they really milk that for everything that they could and really lean into it and it works so well because of the way that it's paced throughout the movie and it's such a nice respite throughout the movie and it also utilizes something which i adore in uh, uh comedy which is um, a terrible disguise 
that everyone falls for. Yeah. Casey Affleck is very clearly a white man with a mustache that's just yeah. falling off of his face and yeah. everyone falls for it. They're like, yeah, this is a this is a Mexican man. And um, I also think this movie kind of um, it really is a, a good indication of like I, my core belief where I think that the funniest camera move, uh, it's not a pan, it's not a tilt, it's not a track, it's not a dolly, it's not a jib. Funniest camera move you can do is a zoom. When they yes. zoom in on Casey Affleck's face and he says, <laughs> uh, what is it? My middle name is Danger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Miombre, Mi what is it? Miombre Medio is, is, is S Danger. I forget. I don't know how to say it in Spanish. I need to brush up on my, my Spanish. Spanish. You'll say it later and then we'll copy and paste it flawlessly over it. It's sure, fine. sure, sure. Let's strike that real quick. Spanish. When he says my middle name is Danger, it, I lose it every time. It's an amazing melodramatic beat uh, uh, that takes itself so seriously, and it's so wonderful. Yeah, so he, he has like a soap opera, like a Mexican soap opera accent, which is very funny to me because like everyone has yeah, everyone's very telenovela. Clearly, yeah, everyone's whole, clearly speaking nor normally yeah. normal uh, Spanish with a Mexican accent, and he for some reason has this over the top. Uh, a dramatic accent that's he's doing very well he is technically saying things correctly but it is weirdly over the top isn't that the the rule in this movie is you have to if you're gonna have an accent it has to be over the top well wait 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 have we talked have you talked about on other podcasts how bad don how bad yeah. and unnecessary don Cheadle's cockney english accent is oh yeah and how painful. it takes me so deeply out of the film mm -hmm. especially when he starts speaking in like like cockney rhyming english yeah and he gets like frustrated that other people aren't picking up on it when it's clear that he has never spoken a lick of cockney rhyming english in his entire life mm -hmm. it is the most frustrating part of this entire franchise because i hate it so deeply yeah and uh what a waste of Don Cheadle. so far out of the movie and i love every other choice that they made and they completely fucking whiffed on this one <laughs> They, there's a fan theory out there that the reason his accent is so terrible is that he, the character in the movie, has a fake accent that he's like that he's just putting on, and the rest of them just don't notice because they don't care. They're just like he does demolition. That's all we care about. They don't. It's never brought up in the movie. That, so that theory sucks. That's <laughs> stupid and okay. bad. I don't like that. These men who have such an acuity for attention to detail and pulling heists and they don't for one second notice how bad this man's english accent is mm -hmm. or there's no nothing to spawn them to not trust this man who is obviously lying about his identity mm -hmm. how nascent they are about everything i get it because every character needs to have its quirks and play its role within not only the story but the dynamic of the group for it to work, which we don't need to get into it, is why I think Ocean's 8 completely fell on its face and doesn't work. And I think they did such a disservice to that cast. I thought the writing yeah. was terrible. Cut out, strike all that Ocean's 8. I don't want to talk about Ocean's 8. I'll just copy it and paste yeah. it into next week's episode. Uh, just so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, strike it only from this episode. <laughs> what were we talking about? um oceans 13 we're, we're talking, talking about accents about... and we're talking about uh casey affleck's character and kind of like him and his uh i don't know his tom fuller buddy what's his uh what's the Scott other Cohen? actor's name 
Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It, it made me laugh when he was just like, I threw you an olive basket and you spit in my face. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that got me. That one caught me. I Especially, doesn't it just start with Casey Affleck and then Scott Kahn kind of goes down? Yeah, as like the crowbar. The yeah. yeah, you know they, what I mean? They and send him down there to sucked set him into right. it, which is so funny that no matter who you are, you it like they're just they're both so um I don't know. They they both get like so um like romanced by the idea of like starting like a like a a, a revolution. What is I mean, I guess that says something about their character. We got to dive into who they are a little bit, I guess, through that. Well, but. we kind of know. They they kind of have that great I mean, it's we know who they are from the first movie. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, we don't get it as much because we get that Scott Kahn's a dipshit, but we don't get as much of like Casey Affleck being like the tech boy mm-hmm. as we do in the first one where he's got his little RC car that can go 80 miles an hour. We don't see that sort of intelligence. I think they get kind of reduced to being this like, you know, like um, almost like brothers. You know, what I mean, like this. Oh, they are. They're twins, right? Aren't they? I don't remember them being twins, but they're, they're definitely brothers. They're okay. brothers, for sure, even though they look fucking nothing alike. <laughs> but, like, uh, but they, they kind of reduce them to, like, have, like being brothers who just kind of, like, piss each other off and, you know, are, like, snarky towards one another. But we kind of lose that aspect of, like, who they are as individuals and what they bring to the group because they're always kind of, like, the guys who are disguised as bellhops or the guys who are, like, disguised. They're, they're always kind of, like, running, uh, like, screens. You know what I mean? Or like playing yeah. like very pawn roles when really uh, like I think that I, I I I could also be like misremembering. Somebody's going to be listening to this and being like, oh, well, you forgot that, you know, Casey Affleck constructed this thing. But right now I honestly can't remember. So that's how yeah. not memorable it was. They, uh, but they yeah, kind the, of like reduced those characters to just being, you know. The only part I would say you're missing is there's the part where they're um, – uh, all their faces get brought up and it gets sent to Al Pacino and oh, he's the one who hacks yeah. into the computer. Yeah, and then Casey Affleck erases it. Yeah, but that's like, yeah. we very rarely see that like, kind of like, you yeah. know, that like hacker, like, you know, kind of like uh, tech whiz aspect of Casey Affleck. And then in which case, what does Scott Kahn bring to the table if not uh, to distract Casey Affleck from, you know, how he can be relevant to the group. But I guess yeah. they're a package deal, huh? Yeah, that that is... That is what the, that is what happens with that scene is that it does it's still just it's just that scene. Well, Although even then they also have the other guy. I, I forget what his name is. The actor, the guy who's sweating all the time, who's extremely nervous. Oh, uh, oh who's sweaty? I'll who's sweaty? I got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The guy who's just trying to set up uh, blackjack and get that all working out. Yeah. yeah, he's not in much else. Yeah, I don't know him from anything else. One more time. What's this guy's name? Scott? What? Scott Con. T A A N. It's in my it's mind. Con's son. In my mind, he's in Gone in 60 Seconds. Is he? He is in Gone in 60 Seconds. Thank you. I, okay, I'm like, wait, where no, else do I know? In, um, he's in, um, is he Gone in 60 Seconds? He's in Entourage for a little he's bit. He's in Entourage 100%. He was in Hawaii 5 He is. Uh, he is in Gone in 60 oh, Seconds. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah, 100%. Okay, yeah, because I'm like, I I feel like he had a similar vibe in both of these movies, to he's be honest the, with he's you. He's the same fucking, he's just like a yeah. douchebag in every movie, because that's what his face looks like, you know? Yeah, I guess you just got to lean into it. If it, you get paid to be a douchebag on TV, be a douchebag on TV, I guess. Well, it's so funny, because I feel like his father had, like, such an incredible range, you know what I mean? Yeah. That mm. doesn't that doesn't at all uh, exist. Like, you think James Conn, you think, you know. Godfather. Godfather, Sonny Corleone. You think Rollerball? He's think, also an um, elf. He was in Dick Tracy, right? Who was he in Dick Tracy? He was in Tracy. Bottle Rocket. Oh, Thief? Of course, Thief. 
you know? You think of this like crazy, immaculate, Wait. like leading man. Career. Yeah, like, yeah, he's incredible. Elf, like, Don't forget about Elf. in future, neo-noir, heist, you know, ma the, you know, classic Italian-American mafia movie. Mm. Well, Godfather. But like, uh, yeah, he's, Scott Conn's been reduced to, uh, you look like an asshole, so we're going to make you be an asshole. Yeah, such as uh, what happens in Hollywood. Just, yeah. you look like this, that's what you are. Sorry. Yeah. Sure. Someone told me today uh, when I was cashing out, uh, getting my peach rings from my partner today. Uh, I don't know why I had to let you all know that. Just so everyone knows, I got my partner <laughs> peach rings today because I'm cute and I know they love them. I drove around to four places. That's how much I love them. Um, when I got to this Dollar Tree, yeah, you just got to find them. When I got to this Dollar Tree, someone was just like, you look like you're from Portland. And I was like, that's a fair call out. <laughs> that's just like, thanks. You couldn't be further from the truth, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. But I mean, I guess they were just trying to say what? That I look like I probably am a poet and I ride a bike and I go to co-ops a lot. Like, what are they trying to say about? I have uh, I have one of those faces as well. And being in Chicago, a lot of people are like, hey, were we in a second city class together? And I was like, we might as well have been like. <laughs> <laughs> Go to like any level B class at Second City and you'll see like four or five guys who look exactly like me. I I get you look like someone I know. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Everyone knows someone who looks like me. That's it. I think it's the the beard. It was before I got it was before I grew a beard. I grew a beard to stand out. <laughs> How's it working? Um, fairly well. People still recognize me from uh, people they know, though. Sometimes I see people in bars because I have a very generic like structure i some i sometimes see people in bars and go is that guy me like is that me over there <laughs> how did i get here already why am i that guy it's me from the future yeah <laughs> i i always would do a bit that i'd go uh, i want to make out with that guy because i want to know what it's like to make out with myself but i don't know if he's into it mm, have I'm you not listened it. to stana by flight of the concords stana no it is exactly about uh, it's a man uh, like a rootin' tootin' cowboy guy uh, named Stana uh, who basically maims people in like a cowboy style, whatever. He's a cowboy. He's a cowboy, um, but not a cowboy. Like a, what do you call them when they're they're no good and they're just taking all the money and killing all the town? An outlaw. An outlaw. outlaw. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. So he's just a, a total outlaw. Uh, and then he is uh, falls in love with someone who also has a name uh, that's a t- satanogram. Um, named Anats, um, and they look exactly the same. They're both into like maiming and killing, and they just look exactly like each other. And I think the song, you know, and, like, I the whole bet thing's it's better not to listen to the song and just have you explain it. <laughs> and then they fall in, no, no, they fall in love. So it like it promotes homosexuality amongst men. Um, so that's nice. And if it's during their heyday, that would have been during a period where uh, uh, gay people would have had a hard time uh, in the social lexicon i don't know what the word is well here there's this great song called father and song and it's about this dad who doesn't have a lot of time for his son yeah (laughs) by cat stevens yeah no by uh oh no i'm thinking cat's cradle strike that strike that i can't be wrong (laughs) uh father and there's this great song called cat's cradle and it's about a father not having enough time for his son (laughs) and then there's a song called father and song about i think it I dad and a son who have a pretty good relationship and a dad who just doesn't want a son to repeat the same mistakes he made. It, yeah. And the, and the son has to go off and do his own thing. But the dad's like, I'm going to give you some advice. You don't have to do that. And the son's yeah. like, I'm going to do it anyway. And the dad's yeah, like, I get, I know. Like, it's not time to make a change. Yeah. 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 Just relax. 
Take it and easy. I'm, yeah, he's just like, he's like, yeah, you're going off into the world, but, you know, it's going to be okay. I yeah. know you're going to make the same mistakes that I made, but. Yeah, and the son's like, and I know, but I have to go away. Yeah. Kai, you'd recognize it. It's in Guardians of the Galaxy, too. Hey, did you hear that Sufjan Stevens converted to Islam? Really? Yeah, I just thought of that because it's there's, you know, there's the obvious joke of Kat Sufjan Stevens. But like, yeah, he converted to Islam, the famously Christian, you know, songwriter. Is that crazy? Strike this. We don't need to talk about that. No, strike it. Hello. God, my ADHD is a mile away today. Oh. Father and son. Uh, I did actually have a thing. Um, go ahead. Were you going to say a thing, Jim? Sorry. God, this podcast is going to be fucking unlisenable. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> right now. My job is to make I it listenable. I feel so embarrassed I'm, by no, this. I'm, I'm we, a great we're editor. Not, we, we hey, are, like, I'm not even, we're not even touching on any pertinent points of the movie. <laughs> no, 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 not, no, no, no. We're barely, <laughs> this is just like a hangout. We're just hanging out. <laughs> okay, anybody yeah, who's listening the point to this of the podcast. podcast. Wait, can you, can you put this at the beginning of the podcast? I'm gonna say, <laughs> sure. This podcast is not... I mean, not the pot. I don't mean to generalize. Strike that. Start again. (laughs) But this is right at the beginning. This is right at the beginning before people start, before we do the hellos and the introductions. This is John. This is future John. You could put that at the beginning of literally any episode except for the Jurassic World one with Nick Gillette, who for some reason didn't want to talk about anything except that movie. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense for Nick Gillette. I love that man. I I have a question. Do people listen to this podcast? Uh, right now, upwards of twenty. Uh, right now, first off, last week, uh, in one day, we got forty downloads. Uh, so that's oh, good. Wow. Um, Ooh. so more at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, that's just one day. It still happens on other days, which is nice. Uh, so I don't know what to say to these people. I feel I, terrible. Every every step of the way, oh, I no. wanted to start over. No, I, no, I, I, I regret everything, and I feel like I've captained this ship. Right into the rock. You've given shores. me so many quotable things for this episode, and you have <laughs> no idea. Um, it's gonna be all over the fucking place. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a choppy, edited chaos ball of an experience. But I'm gonna love it, and it's gonna. I'm gonna find a way to make it absolutely amazing, and I always do. My dad recently listened to an episode, and he said, "I don't care for your podcast." <laughs> I don't. I honestly, anybody who is listening, and I will tell you this, because I do have uh, a few people who. It's always lovely. You get people who reach out and are like, "I'm so glad." You know, like, "Hey, I checked out your episode," or they're like, "Know things about me because they listen and they find out random shit because we're off on tangents," uh, and it's always weird. But a lot of times, they'll actually genuinely say, "Like, it's that's what we actually got a note saying talk about the movie less," which was a weird note for someone to have told us early on. Um, you know, I think I'm realizing now. Also, I don't have anything to say for this movie. Uh, outside of praise i don't have any interesting things to say about this movie i just fucking like it you know and i think everybody should just watch it uh and have fun everybody should watch it and have fun can you explain something to me though because i was going to ask about this because we were talking about fathers and sons is i don't understand the whole like uh fucking matt damon parent situation what's the deal they're both fbi agents his dad's like a very famous thief his okay. Dad, yeah. That's famous. Thief. Kind of like a like a like a like somebody who is in the guy. generation before in the first Matt movie. Damon and Brad Pitt. Yeah. And so he he's somebody who I guess more I guess more so like I guess like Elliot Gould or mm-hmm. Carl Reiner's generation of individuals. But um, who uh, who plays his father? I forget. Bob Einstein. Oh yes, yes, it's Bob Einstein. Yeah. Oh my God. What's it? It's Stop, Bob Einstein. Bob? Which also is such a fucking weird 
casting choice for Super Dave to come in. Super and Dave, be that's Matt it. Damon's dad. But it works. It's fun. Yeah. It's funny. Also, isn't this the movie where Matt Damon seduces that woman to like? No, this is. Uh... Yes. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that because is this movie. It gives us one of the funniest fucking things in the scene, which is him trying to drink champagne with that fucking nose With on. that big fucking nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember that from the trailer? The nose plays. The nose plays. It's, <laughs> it's so And dumb. then Bob Einstein comes in, he goes, the nose plays. He says it. He affirms it. Doesn't which is he? what you want to do. You want to resolve your daddy issues. I'm I pretty sure. He, I remember that's the, no, I think at the end of the movie, he was. that's what they were arguing about, is whether the nose plays. Whether the nose plays. Or right, and, and that's the thing, is you want to make sure that you're you're your thief daddy knows that you did a good job. You know, it's crazy is like that first shot that we get of Matt Damon in the, in the first movie in oceans 11. First of all, the one stylistic choice that I hate, which was like very big at the time mm-hmm. was that like uh posturizing of time where they shot at a lower frame rate uh, oh, yeah. uh, or they shot at a, um, at a lower shutter speed, not a lower frame rate. So it's like kind of has that where each frame is kind of choppy and like yep. blurry that, that yeah. aspect. Um, but I'm remembering the first scene where they introduce him and he's uh, and he's it, it, and it's in Chicago and he's on a brown line. He's at a brown line station like downtown. And every time I pass by that brown line station, I think of Ocean's Eleven. But then I have no fucking clue where they go after that. They go to some fucking bar or restaurant that does not even seem like it is remotely close to that brown line station. That's the way it always goes in these fucking movies. You're just like, that's yeah, not possible. Timing does not work that oh, way. Oh, yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Living I'm in not the... naive. But, like, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, There's... Bob Einstein. What a fucking... What a pull. What a weird pull. Can we talk about the cast of this movie? How weirdly eclectic it is, but yeah. how deeply it works. The fact that they got Elliot fucking Gould in yeah. this movie. I love... Everything he said, I, I I've always loved Elliot Gould. I think he's yeah, an amazing he's actor, and I love everything he says. Even in the second movie, where I felt all of his lines were poorly written, he sells every single line. He's he hundred percent. So much exasperation into every line. He spends most of this movie in a fucking coma. Yeah, yeah. Right and in still, this like absolute state, and he still manages to come back and just fuck. Like, you know, I mean, just like gets on screen and he's just Elliot Gould. Like he is absolutely going for it. I even said I don't say things out loud to my TV a lot. But when he like got his uh, his suit and he's getting ready, I just looked at my, uh, you know, Jack, my partner. I was just like, he's back, baby. (laughs) Makes like the kissy face like when he uh. When he comes in, yeah, you're like, yeah, there he is. You're that's like, there that's he is. Elliot Gold. Boy, he looks so greasy. Like it's mm. like, how'd you get so dirty? You're. You, know, <laughs> it is you live in the desert. Do the, <laughs> they do the little like radio, like, hey, welcome back, fellas. Like I love that, like in the pit. Like the there is a, they, for this many people to throw into a pit and be like, be in a movie together. Uh, it's amazing how much like there is that you can feel the love amongst their characters. And for everybody that many people the screen. Everybody yeah. commands. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, yeah. and the thing, again, that, that, like, doesn't work about so many movies is, you know, the absolute lack of chemistry. But, like, no doubt the reason why these movies work is because George Clooney and Brad Pitt got together one day and were like, you want to make a movie? You want to do a fun movie together? And you can yeah. see that they're just the two of them. Number one, they're both individually incredibly charming and charismatic. Yeah. But together have so much fucking chemistry because they want to be there with one another. 
and they're just playing. Like, I hate to be, you know, semantic like that, but like, they're just having fun. And that's oh, yeah. all you need for movies to work. You don't need, I was watching like a, like a, like a behind the scenes making up of like, um, Mad Max Fury Road. Apparently the entire fucking time, like everybody was stressed out and like didn't think that George Miller like had like a good vision for the movie. And apparently Charlize Theron and Tom Hardy fucking hated each other the oh, no. entire time that they were shooting. And then it kind of resolved into like a deep seated respect. And I, they probably got over their issues because they were like in the desert, in the fucking outback for eight yeah. months together, mm-hmm. like doing a movie that didn't make sense and had no script. And they had to just like look at storyboards and trust the director of Happy Feet 2 that he was going to like make, <laughs> you know, one of the most iconic action movies of the oh. 21st century. <laughs> this far, probably like probably the best, probably the best action movie of the 21st century this far. But like, it's so much better in movies when you could tell that the actors like each other and want to be really working does. with each other. Yeah, it just makes it so much more fun, especially in an ensemble like this. Oh God! You can, yeah, and you can always tell. Like you can, you can always tell, and that's why that just doesn't exist between Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock. Mm. They just put these two people together, and it does both of them a disservice. I, I one I noticed, which is a strange one. Is uh, when I watched the Notebook, Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling clearly for half the movie hate each other, like oh. can't stand each other. Because in real life, they hated each other for the first like half of the movie, and then yeah. the director like sat them down and was like, "No, you two are gonna like each other." Then I think they dated after that, which is a very wow. weird. They one hundred percent did. I yeah. I also f- feel very uncomfortable when I know that two actors dated in real life when mm-hmm. they were. Like I was watching yeah. the new season of Stranger Things and I'm like, I can't deal with Jonathan and Nancy. I mean, I think they're like pushing them apart. I haven't finished it yet. But yeah. like it like knowing that they dated in real life, also knowing that that dude got busted with so much cocaine at an airport is fucking wild to think about when you're watching it. But it also it's like like fucking meet somebody else. You know what I mean? Like when Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson dated after Twilight, I was just like. There's so many other fucking people. You don't need to date this fucking person. How easy it would be to date this person that you're forced oh. into a relationship by yeah. a casting director. That it's one like felt... people who meet their high school sweetheart or like marry their high school sweetheart. It's like, oh, cool. You found your soulmate in uh, in in a district that was decided <laughs> by the school board, <laughs> by the you... by the county, by the state. They're yeah, going to dictate who your soulmate is. I don't want my fucking forever person to be dictated by <laughs> Allison Jones. You know what I mean? By be by my last name's kind of close to them, so I got to sit in, close to them in high, in a homeroom. Did yeah. you hear that? Bob and Cheryl, my parents, you guys met at 14 and 16. Your love is a fucking flawed sham. Close it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a flop. Shut it down. <laughs> oh, no, that's real. Oh, my God. I think I've only ever met one couple that married that were high school sweethearts where I was like, yeah, this was right. This was like, it's got to happen once in a while where like, like just by chance. Okay. Yeah. These two are actually the perfect fit for each other. But for the most part, it it doesn't work. It's, it's such a strange thing that those people didn't like branch out in any way. Yeah. I just hate it. I just, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me not want to watch the movie. Cause I'm like, how much of this is bleeding? I also think about like my own relationship. I'm like, God, like, obviously, like, I love my girlfriend. Uh, I love her to death. I think she's the best. But, like, we certainly, there's days that I think everybody who has a relationship, like, you sometimes do not have good days with your person. It happens. We're only human. 
how the fuck do you work with somebody? Like, how does that bleed yep. mm-hmm. onto set, especially yep. when it's like such a high pressure environment? You're working 16 hour days. You're doing overnights. You know, what I mean, you're doing like, you know, you're doing like the like this <sighs> crazy schedule. You're in this pressure cooker. And not to mention that millions upon millions of dollars are on the line and your face is representing like I can fucking like that's crazy. It's me. all bent on the chemistry you have with that person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, the closest I have to like dating someone in like a weird scenario was like I lived with a couple that at one point one of them was my both of our bosses. And then all of a sudden I was more of a boss of both of them because I became a full time manager versus a part time manager. Either way, I had to suspend my roommate from work. I had to be like, come back in two weeks. <laughs> I'll see oh, you. Boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I need yeah. to suspend you from work. Also, maybe that'll give you some time to do your dishes. In this yeah. <laughs> and, you're, and, and you're late on rent. Get it together. Um, like, she, yeah. No, yeah but... I know this isn't going to help. But <laughs> <laughs> I need to suspend you from work. Also, this is going to make our home situation worse. That's fucking crazy. Where were yeah. you working? Were you working at like a coffee shop or no. like some sort of retail thing? This is my, uh, so the, aside from Domino's or Domino's, uh, my first job, the job I got out of that was the restaurant my sister worked at. So Cactus Jacks in New Hampshire, I'm going to give you guys some love. You were my like first, like real, real, real job. And I worked there for on and off like eight years. Like, cause I even came back to it after college. Um, and I was like the place that I, I became employee of the year one year. Uh, I became a full-time manager right after that. That was at like 21, 22, but it was super weird because like, all of a sudden, all these people that I was just like hanging out with and like getting drunk with and being stupid, all of a sudden I had to be like, hey, yeah, I know why you're late. It's because I watched you at home and strike that from the record. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is super weird. Um, I, I currently and I have worked in many environments where uh, couples work in the same spot and there's like different levels of like who's more in charge. And I just don't understand how people I don't know how people work in the same spot. Can't do it. Won't do it. Yeah. It's just, it's just bizarre. Yeah. I mean, like you you say that, like it doesn't work in an environment that's like, obviously it's like kind of like fast paced, but it's kind of like, not not to like be diminutive, but it's like lower stakes than, you know, like a Hollywood film set. Like I don't do disservice to the people who work in the service industry because it's such a fucking like i worked in the service industry it fucking sucks dealing with customers sucks you mm-hmm. definitely form a brotherhood and then you uh get absolutely trashed after work That's the um That's but the like worst. but like imagine yeah i couldn't imagine like being the face of like uh one of the more popular movie franchises at the time like you know twilight Ugh. and having to also juggle <laughs> like a budding romantic relationship oh, going back to this example yeah. because it's like i think like the most egregious one where it's like this felt big you know what i mean and it is very classic like kind of like a tiger beady thing to happen you know what i mean and it has happened before it will happen again i think ashton kutcher and mila kunis started dating after that 70s show ended so you can't really like drawn to that but i feel like it happens more often than not that people yeah. end up dating they met on and, set yeah uh, and, and okay. it's crazy, but I also get that when you're like, well, I'm going to be in Perth for eight months. I'm going to be in, you know, X yeah. place for, you know, eight months straight. Who's here? Yeah. Who else is here? <laughs> it's, you know, it's that it's that summer camp mentality. Yeah. It's, you know, it's usually the person you see the most. That's just the person how it you goes. see the most. You're eventually going to want to just, you know, 
have but sex I, with repeatedly. Don't you <laughs> love it though when you see a celebrity like bring to the Oscars, just be like, and that's their their significant other. They they work in a middle school. They they were the yeah, guidance counselor. Yeah, like Paul like, <laughs> wife, I believe, is just a fucking person. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and they I, live in like upstate New York. I hate to yeah, I hate to blow up Paul Rudd's spot, but you know what I mean like these people, or like even when they like yeah, oh this person's you know significant other is like a hairdresser, you know, or like uh they they work in IT, you know, just like yeah. just normal fucking people. Dolly Parton's husband is just a guy and like she and because she's also famous for wearing her wigs, she regularly does not get recognized in public because she's with just some guy and isn't wearing her uh, her famous big blonde wigs. And she dresses she's actually unrecognizable. Like, I, a, yeah, you know, she's genuinely unrecognizable with all that. I don't know if you've ever looked up a picture, but she oh. yeah. does not look like the same person. That's perfect. and her hair is for sure not that platinum blonde. Oh. And it's like short, like and like, especially with all that makeup off. She like is still like a very attractive woman, but just looks completely different, like unglammed. That's the I think that's the dream, right? Is just to have it so literally you can just chameleon out and be like, and now I can go to the bank. <laughs> cool. <Yeah. laughs> oh, I looked up Dolly Parton without a wig, and uh, it's just a, a a picture that someone photoshopped her bald. So uh, yep, I am helpful. looking at the same one right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now I just have one of her and RuPaul, which is uh, kind of similar. <laughs> um, oh, is that? Oh, I think I found her. Yeah, the one yeah. with her with glasses on. Yeah, the sunglasses on the top of her head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, she's like, you know, like her eyebrows aren't like severely arched, and she doesn't, you know, and like it's. She just looks like a normal, you know, attract like, you know, like an older woman. She's certainly yeah. like still an attractive woman, you know. Yeah, it's just it's I, it, All right, she has a signature for Dolly Parton on this. I'm I keep overstating <laughs> that she's there. She, yeah, she's just she's just a beautiful woman, you know. What I, mean? <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Don't worry. At the end, uh, where we get to just offer promotions, you, that's the only thing you're allowed to promote. Um, this is how attractive Dolly Parton is. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> check it out. She's a cutie. Um, no, she's also I don't know. Whatever. We can stop talking about Dolly. But it's weird. It's weird. I I like it. I like it better when celebrities date non-celebrities because then you feel like somebody like hit the jackpot. You know, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. both ways, though. And that's what I mean. like. That's what I mean is I think about it like that. How lovely is it that you get to date someone or marry someone that I don't know, maybe just they don't give a fuck about that stuff as much. You know, it's no, just that's nice what you I get mean. to kick your fucking shoes off. <laughs> I yeah. didn't oh, mean sorry. like somebody's like, oh, oh. I really want to fuck Catherine Zeta-Jones. This is amazing. Mm. And like, I yeah. get to I don't know, but like but like somebody like that, that celebrity gets to live a grounded life, Yeah. you know, a somewhat grounded life. They get to have somebody in their life who keeps them. I mean, like it like that that's kind of like a fucked up thing to say, because I don't mean that it's their purpose or dynamic in the relationship is to mm. like keep this person from like going crazy. But it's certainly easier if you're not in a celebrity couple and you're with somebody who has that sort of perspective to like gut check you. And it keeps you in a in a state where you're not perpetually wrapped up in in Hollyweird. I would imagine. I don't know. I'm not fucking famous. I mean, I'm not I, like. I kind of think about like Tina Fey is married to a composer. He, he, uh, what's his name? 
Jeff Richman. Jeff Richman. But Jeff yeah. Richman, it like when Jeff when they were coming up, Jeff Richman was like the hot shot guy at Second City. Like yeah, he he's a... and he writes too. Like so, he's not completely outside of the bubble. Sure, he isn't public facing, but Jeff Richman is a super talented dude. Yeah. Who is, like who was also like in that time somebody who was thought of as like one of you know the top tier individuals who was working in Chicago in the Chicago comedy scene. You know, and that's why I think it's great because. Uh, they get to share that part of their life because they're both uh, improvisers and uh, such. Um, they both understand each other on that level, but also they don't have to have like the celebrity couple. They they get the they get a little bit of the best of both worlds where they're in the same world, but also a little bit separated. Yeah, I do also want to point out. I'm now going on Jeff Richmond's um, Wikipedia. Yeah, Homeboy was nominated for a Tony. Oh, get it. Oh, for Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah, for Mean Girls. Oh, he did the oh. music for it. Good for him. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you got you to hook somebody up with a deal on that one. You grab who you know. Yeah. I the think the book was by Tina Fey. Yeah, I, I think they probably did it together, I would imagine, right? Yeah. That's... Yeah, the book is Tina Fey, music Jeff Richmond, and then somebody named Neil Benjamin did the lyrics. Nell Benjamin. About... Sorry, I misread that. I had, a, I had a little smudge on my screen. I it's going to be... Pre- Go ahead, guy. I was just going to say, I fucking appreciate that movie for the dumbest reason ever, which is just my favorite gif that I use anytime someone asks me what my favorite gif is. It's Regina George just going, I know, right? Which is, it sounds dumb, but like my life has improved drastically every single time someone gives me a compliment and then I respond with that gif. Like I just feel better about where I'm at as a human now. Uh, sounds universally applicable. It actually happened the other day. We're in real life. Uh, when I was out meeting my co- I mean, out meeting my partner's friends at their uh, their bike shop, just having like an outside grill, and someone's like, "Oh, I really like your shirt." I was like, "I know, it's amazing." <laughs> like, I was like, "Who the fuck am I? Where did that come from?" I'm like, "Ugh, sorry." <laughs> like, she laughed, but like, I was like, "Okay, I'm, uh, yeah, I know, I'm amazing. That's it. I just want you to know that I know that I am great too." That's an it's a it's a it's a vibe. It's a lifestyle, Jim. You should try it. Sorry, I was thinking about gifts from uh, Mean Girls that I use as well, because the only one I can think of is uh, Amanda Seyfried responding to a boo, you whore. And then she makes that face while she looks at the phone. I, I All the time I send that to people. I don't or, use gifts like that. <laughs> how, how are you using your gifts? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't use I don't like I just generally don't use gifts. <sighs> Okay, so this is the only way I communicate is audio messages and gifts. So I guess we can't talk anymore. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I'm actually I'm actually gonna text you to find out if you're at work and then send you only audio messages. <laughs> Just like hundreds. Find John's schedule. Dead audio messages. <laughs> I understand blocking is the thing, so this will only last so long. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I think it's also probably about that time because there are things uh, that I do actually, once again, we will have plenty of this where we did not talk about the movie, but I do want to talk about the movie a little bit more. So uh, we do a round of final notes. So if there's anything you haven't talked about the movie that you want to talk about, uh, we're going to make sure we do it right now. Jim, uh, take a gander if you need to buy John time. But John, do you have a thing you want to make sure we talk about? Man, Eddie Izzard's in this movie. Yes, he is. Um, Yes. And he is, I believe, he's the 13th, right? He's He's number 13. He is number 13. Yeah, I don't know. He's a he's one of those other people that I'm just like, I wish that I had found out and leaned into earlier because I would have been like, and I want to fuck with outfits and I want to be a little bit more extra. Um, yeah. but nope. 
I just want to do a quick correction. Yes, what? she is. Uh, oh. Eddie Izzard's a pronouns are she, her. When did I miss that? Or that did I know that? And that changed. It was pretty recently. Cool. Uh, awesome. Is she still going by the same name? I believe so. Cool. Now we know that. Ah, 2020 was when uh, she requested she, her pronouns oh, for I... appearance of a TV show. Well, I blacked out everything in 2020, and now back to 2022, I know that. And yeah. so do you all, listeners. Welcome to Knowledge of 2022. It was, yeah, it was very, very recently. Uh, but yeah, that was a kind of a random out-of-nowhere git, and I don't know if, like, was was she doing really well at this time? Yes? No? Maybe? Yeah, she, she was a pretty famous comedian back then. Okay, right on. When? In uh, 2007? Yeah. Yeah, she was doing that. I think she released... I think she, I mean, she had been consistently releasing stand-up specials. Do you remember The Riches? That was the same year, because I was just looking at that right now. Yeah, I remember really enjoying that show. I actually never watched it. I'm aware of it because of Eddie Izzard, but... That was, like, my introduction to Eddie Izzard, I remember, like, that USA show that she was Mm. in. But um, I feel like they had been consistently releasing... um, uh, uh, stand-up specials. Mm. I feel like I need to go back and, and watch them now. It's not too late, so I shall. Oh, yeah. She started back in the nine, like 93 and has released basically every couple of years. Yeah, for a while. I think there was like, there's a, a gap, but, you know. Sometimes you need a gap. Yeah, oh, it was like 2013 to like 2022, so it's like, eh. They're still working, but... Got to take a second. Got to got to got to think about what you're going to do next. We've all honestly every now and then I'm just like, what if I just drop the hobby that I love so much and is everything about me and just leave it alone for like half a decade? Um, I don't know. I mean, every now and then I just shake it off like I was a spoken word poet. Like it meant like I had like a Facebook page about it and everything. Wait, really? For like ha- half a decade. And then I was just like, eh, I don't do that anymore. It's not who I am. Just are you gonna up. are you gonna pick it back up at some point? I think yeah, just give it another five years or so. Every like I did a thing in the middle of the pandemic and early on, I was just like, I'm gonna do a poetry day and I'm just gonna do a live thing, and that was like spur of the moment. Fucking sure, I'll do that. Um, I was very into uh, uh, spoken word poetry when they started improv, and then improv kind of sucked that out of them. <laughs> yeah, I just I went from one creative outlet where I just got to share all the sads, uh, and it was just sad, and then I did it sometimes on stage in comedy, and people went, ha, that's funny, I'm also sad. Um, you just just switched it, tragedy, and just did comedy with it instead, and people liked it a little bit more, or maybe more, I don't know. I got out of my head about giving a shit about points. That was the nice transition. I stopped giving a shit about making sure that random strangers that got picked to rate me on a scale of 1 to 10 validated me or not. Just, Wait, ugh. sorry. What, rating you? What yeah, so... In poetry slam competitions, you'll often... Oh, you were doing competitions. You weren't just yeah. doing it for the art of it. Is that no. conventionally what, like, spoken word poetry, it's done in a competitive sort of nature? I mean, I would still go out to plenty of events that were just for the sake of just reciting their poetry. Uh, it is definitely not in requirement to be in competitive in any way, shape, or form, but I love myself a competition. Um, I I couldn't help myself, so I had to hop in I, a couple I do of love those. competition, but I grew up playing you know sports and was like and still am extremely competitive but like i can't be competitive with art it may like it creates such a fucking uh fissure within my sense of self yeah uh like i I don't like i don't that's why i don't like short form improv because i don't like like uh comedy as a competition i don't like anything really as a competition music art anything like that 
I, I think like, and that's, I think that relating back to what we were talking about earlier, that's why I like to, when I rate and think about movies, think about them individually, not within the greater context and yeah. rate that movie based on what it's trying to do. And I think once you start trying to like rank art and compete it against one another, you kind of like lose the merit of yeah. the, the self-expression, the exploration and pushing the boundaries of the form and stuff like that, because then you just have people who are trying to do the best version of the thing. That's the safest and like the most conventional and like the easiest to digest. But I don't know how, I mean, I'm projecting a lot. I don't know if that's the same for uh, spoken word poetry, but that sounds to, to me, like I'm sure like it, it was a different experience for you. To me, that sounds like something that would make me want to fucking die. I, well, that's the thing is I already, uh, when I first started writing, I already wanted to die. Dark to dark, dark <laughs> joke. Yeah. Um, but that's why I got into it. I was like, oh, great. This is a great outlet for talking about, you know, some of the stuff that's tough uh, and that I've experienced in the past or I are currently dealing with. And it was a great, great outlet. And then I was like, oh, people are sharing their trauma for points. And then. It, you'd go out that and that's where it started unhealthy. to hurt is because it would be unhealthy. like, no, I've heard literally someone go, oh, I can't do my dead dad poem now because they did their dead dad poem. When you hear that in a competition, it hurts to hear someone say that. Like, that's so, so bad. That to me is stuck out as a poem that I'm just like, maybe. The, I'm not, OK, first off, I want to be very clear. Anyone listening, if you do spoken word poetry competitively, if you compete, I'm not anti-competitive, uh, but I am big on just like anytime you're doing a creative thing, when you just get so numb to that kind of point where it's just about your status before you leave and whether the trophy over yeah. really connecting and to your creativity and the form. individual that you were interacting yeah. with and that they got sucked in and had an unhealthy relationship with it. But man, that sounds fucking Ugh. like such a albatross. So it burnt me out. It definitely burnt me out because I mean, towards the end, I had a, literally a couple pieces that were like ended with like one of them was just like and i wonder who i'm writing for because i genuinely don't know like it's just really about uh it became more about getting the the claps and the cheers and making sure that people were like ooh deep snaps yes you're great um then i stopped writing anything that had general significance and was mostly just fucking rhetoric um yeah. or was current and you know i had Trendy to show and yeah you, exactly you would get a, like that that term that's used like clapter you know what I mean? But like that sort of like that 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 self-satisfying like oh I I struck the nerve that's currently being struck uh by like a, a greater cultural movement. You know, and, you're not saying the, anything new. You're just reiterating and regurgitating in a way that's going to be satisfying for people because it's validating the point that's already been made. Right. And imagine doing a gut wrenching poem that you literally wrote. That's like one of the hardest pieces you've ever done. And then you just get beaten out by the most current subject matter. So you Jeez. it's it, it can really right. mess with you. So yeah. people would literally walk away from these events just being like, oh, I guess the thing I was depressed about or had to share didn't matter. Like it could be really I, I lost. It really, so really. It sounds yeah. invalidating. It sounds like, I don't know. I just can't. I can't imagine. It's, I can't but you're imagine. bringing up a thing that really hit me because even recently I, when I looked up uh, where we stood on Good Pods, folks, if you listen to us on Good Pods, keep listening to us. It's whatever. Like the thing you listen to it. But I was like, it tells you where you rank amongst the people that are in similar uh, type of podcasts. And I'll see it fluctuate. It'll be like, now we're 30th out of 100. And now we're like third. And I have no idea what their fucking system is. I have no idea how that works. But why is this affecting my mood in the middle of my work day? I just I gotta to say, though, at least with that, that, you can you can you can kind of like zoom out a little bit more and be like and justify it like this is arbitrary this is an algorithm this isn't human yeah. like this doesn't make yeah. sense like yeah. there's so many factors going to this that are unknown like 
you could disassociate from it. But when you have like an audience of people being like, I didn't like that poem as much as the poem that's like this, even though you talked about how <sighs> you're suicidal about how your dad died or about how you're struggling with your identity or about how you're struggling with this or about yep. like, you know, how you're like, uh, you know, neurodivergent and how like that really fucks you up or whatever. Yeah. This is, someone, uh, these this are is not I'm saying, poem, like, yeah. you know, not you, like the Royal you yeah. because yeah. some of these. You rounded the bases. You got all me. my poems out. Good job. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I got you. I got you pegged. Um, but like, uh, it's, that's, that sounds like super not fun. Well, poetry it, is inherently a super personal thing. Yeah. And you're, it, it, it feels like almost like you're ranking like, oh, you're, you, you did a better job of being, at presenting yourself as a person than this other person, which feels very insulting. Yeah, I mean, I I had one night where um, someone else also, it's weird, I had the same experience. Uh, someone did their suicide poem, so I'm like, oh crap, I mean, I guess I'll just do my suicide poem still, because it's like the best one. It's the one that's got the most views on YouTube, so I'll do that one, that'll help me win. Mm. Um, and then someone said, the classic saying that's in poetry competitions, which is, remember why you wrote it. Why would you shout that at someone before they sing, a, uh, or like do a poem that's really like intense? Uh, not that they know which one I'm gonna do, but then I did. I remembered why I wrote it. And during this very difficult piece, I just started crying, and I just like fell apart, and I fucked up the rest of the piece. And then three people rated me, um, I got right off the get go. Somebody just gave me like a five, which is kind of a slap in the face, That's right? Worse because, than a one. Yeah, no, 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 wow. it hurts because I just because I just feel like probably were like, well, technically you didn't do a good job, but also it was pretty sad. So like, I don't know what their logic is, but in, it's kind Yeesh. of like an unspoken That's a, that's a pity uh, yeah. five. But, right, but then someone gave me a pity ten right after it. Ooh. Ooh. Which is and worse I, than the five, which is right. worse than the one. And the yeah. last one was like a seven or like an eight. It was just like somewhere between it just didn't matter. But like for some reason, those two, that spread and that like back to back order, I was like, it broke me even more and kind of was like towards the end where I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah, it makes you feel manipulative. And you're like, I didn't want to be manipulative tonight. That's a that's a good word to use, manipulative. Yeah. It, because you are inherently as a performer at that point, manipulating the emotions of the people around you, even though yep. it's supposed to be a personal expression of work. You know and what I mean? There's, there's a time and a place for manipulating emotions when you're telling a story, but you're not telling a story. Right. You're 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 sharing a reflection of yourself. Yeah. You're hitting the nail right on the head, which is a point that I've been really like harping on is why I like uh, improv more than stand up so much more as an outlet for me when it comes to comedy is like it's uh, it's it's not about trying to make people laugh and manipulate them into laughing as much as it's trying to be part of an environment that encourages you to feel <laughs> something it's nice. a nice and, way of putting it and like i know i'm being a little artistic about it but I, I feel like the encouragement of laughter is something okay dan higgins actually i said this because i gave him a, um it will maybe cut that but i said that about dan higgins publicly recently to somebody was just like he exemplifies that like i never feel like he's trying to manipulate me into laughing i always just feel like yeah. he uh, like i'm i'm so like immediately disarmed and lighter and being like let's let's see where this ride goes i'm so happy to be here with someone that's so pleasant and genuine uh, yeah how do you feel when you watch me do improv did you feel like i was trying to manipulate into I have we cut all this in the podcast we no, cut this when we i for sure cut this i'm just when i watch you do improv Ooh, yeah that response is going to be a secret but you know what's not going to be a secret this commercial break 
Since the dawn of time, humans have been desperate for connection. Then we realized we could solicit strangers through the Sunday paper. You've heard of Craigslist personals? Just imagine the pining and thirst from lonely queers searching for love. Join me, Haley, and my array of guests as we read, drag, and rate personal ads from the 1970s through today. If you love gay yearning, you'll love Q4Q, the queer personal ads podcast. Throw on your Jinkos, Baby Tees, and Doc Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind and rewind. Hey everybody, Kai Bobby here, the other host. Uh, I am here with the Captain's Log shout out. It is from uh, our dear friend Crimson. He is incredibly kind and has told me to use this promotion slot to promote my cat's GoFundMe. Uh, My poor little buddy Oliver unfortunately had to have a surgery a little while back. And uh, those medical bills, uh, they they really rack up. So if you got a couple extra bucks, go ahead and check out that GoFundMe link. It is in the description. Uh, Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you. Crimson, you're amazing. Let's get back to the show, everybody. Cool. Thank you for that commercial uh, podcast that everyone should go listen to. They're in the show notes for a f-ing reason. And I don't know why I get always so get aggressive about this. They're in there because I want you to support cool podcasters and artists and people being creative. So do that. Um, Jim, what what we were we were doing the final notes thing. Did you have one? Yeah, I have a final note just to uh, do this. I liked the bit with Oprah. <laughs> I, I, I love it because they were like, oh, I get it. It's funny because men have feelings. Um, Oh, I like yeah. the bit Oprah at the end, particularly that he donated he what he made him. So he donated all of the money to Oprah or it's like a charity. Uh huh. I know the crux of the scene is essentially, oh, men don't have emotions. They 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 uh, it's funny that they have a, that they're watching it and crying. And he pretends like he's eating a pepper. But I really like uh, it slows the pacing down. It I like Brad Pitt getting moment. sucked into it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really zooms in on just like this little personal dynamic relationship between the two of them. A little tiny slice for just them. Yeah. I feel that. Um, Kai, did you, I forget who had already done final notes? Uh, I, I mean, I have, I have a final thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. go for it. I'm uh I'm so bummed. This is like this isn't like a thing that I like, but this is something that I'm really bummed about in terms of this movie. Is it's the only one of that Oceans trilogy without Topher Grace making an appearance as himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bummer. Also which I think was that. really fun. I thought that like scene in the first movie where Brad Pitt's teaching them all how to play poker, extremely funny, and then bringing yeah. him back is like completely unhinged in the second movie mm-hmm. it's really just such a delight and i think it was so, supposed to be in this movie but maybe a schedule didn't work out with something else but i really would have liked to have seen how they would have like completely pushed that that like arc to its absolute limits i i would mm-hmm. want to see him like together but like maybe caught up in like a pyramid scheme and like quitting the industry or something because like he seems yeah, like who he knows was... like yeah. it, it doesn't matter just like yeah. pushing him or like he's down and out you know, like he's gambled all his money away or something, sure, you know what yeah. I mean? Like Take something like that, like to really yeah. just like con- kind of like complete that storyline. Yeah. Um. I mean, like, it's so funny because I feel like we didn't touch on so much of this movie, like the ridiculous <laughs> plot device of being like locked in that room and the cell phone's not working and like all the different yeah. disguises and Al Pacino as a whole and this whole revenge tale and like, yeah. Carl Reiner just like rolling his old bones into this movie and just being so (laughs) great. And like it being one of like the last movies that Bernie Mac was ever in and like Mm -hmm. all these sort of like 
there's so much in this movie that we could talk about and that yeah. we just straight up didn't. We could spend yeah. an entire podcast talking about just Al Pacino's. Um, I think, was this the movie where I can't, you know, honestly, sometimes these movies blend together. No, I'm thinking of a scene from Ocean's Eleven. It's fine. Never mind. Completely never mind. That, there it is. Right. I saw it. Yeah. They actually, we talked about it last week, uh, about how it was sad that they really did like Bernie Mac wrong in the last one. And they really gave yeah. him, they must have gotten that note. They were like, we're going to give Bernie Mac a little bit more yeah. in this movie. And you can see, like, it kind of sucks. Like, certain people get fucked over a little bit. Like, I do feel bad for Don Cheadle's character, not only because being sucked with, like, being stuck in that fucking horrible accent. Um, but he just, for the most part, was just like hiding in a fucking... Yeah, hole. he had the drill. He had the like EMP thing, the yeah, drill that was gonna like shake up the whole thing. And town. that's his. Yeah. But also, where the fuck was everybody else? A lot of them were just dicking around, fucking throwing Molotov cocktails at oh, police. No one else you know is helping I this talk man. About real quick. Last yeah, thing. Sorry, I'm like before I forget. The, one of the best costumes, one of the best characters oh, in yeah. the entire movie is when Brad Pitt comes in as the seismologist. <laughs> yes. And he's yes. in the fucking cargos with yeah. the big the, um, that mustache, that fucking, fucking mustache. Real. Such a great, just a like, uh, uh, unbelievable. So funny. You can tell they had so much fun making this film. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, them in silly outfits. Every single one of them. I I I even loved George Clooney with clearly dyed hair, a a really bad mustache, and then yeah. he's wearing like that that picture of the Rock with the the turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. Or even the the entire lengths that they go to create such a hostile environment for that hotel reviewer. Yeah. What a what a horrifying hilarious bit to watch this man. Oh. And then they give him like 3 million dollars. Worst the experience got of 11 his million life. dollars, yeah. 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 I I like that. My heart definitely it 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 released the film properly. Like it was just like, okay, that's cute. Then without they gave him the 11 million dollars, everything yeah. works out because I would have been really upset if they just like, and that character's out of the movie and yeah. that sucked for him. <laughs> well, that was, well, they didn't give it. They did the thing where they like did the trick with the slots. Right. And then yeah, they yeah, left a yeah. quarter for him. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was the whole bit. It was yeah. cute. It was super cute. So good. And then, you, and then you're like, and that's, that's the thing about this movie and why it's so satisfying is that every little like open end is tied up yeah. in a way that's like satisfying and the right people get hurt. The good guys win the bad guys lose like in, 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 in totality, like everything is thought of. It's a very economic sort of, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's weird, but like, and then the, the, even it slowed down at the end with the airport. And I think they did a good job. I and mean, that's my background yeah. for a reason. I thought it was like a really cool thing. I like that. They ended it with him just being like, I'll see you when I see you. I, there was something just like so cold, but also so connected by that kind of concept. It's like, a beautiful open-endedness because you know that they will truly seek each other out at, at yeah. a certain point because you know, Danny can't quit Rusty and Rusty can't quit Danny. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah as no, much as they try and as much as they're bad influences on each other and as much as, you know, Danny probably wants to go live a life. Also, I don't like how canonically Ocean's 8 fits into this whole thing because I wanted to just believe that Danny was going to ride off into the sunset. Oh, you no, know? No, 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 no spoilers, no spoilers. Me and oh, have not. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We have no clue. Yeah, we watch it next week. Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, you can cut that out so it doesn't spoil for the people who are following along at home. But like... <laughs> I, I don't even know what you said. Uh, all okay. I know is but that yeah, uh, it's just happened. like, you know, you know, those boys love each other. You know yeah. that they're connected in that they Danny's the best and Rusty's the best. Mm-hmm. So naturally, they're going to seek each other out, you know? Um, yeah, it's just nice. It's a nice way to end things. And I think that's also like one of those things. It's like um, the thing that Uma Thurman 
Sherman says in Pulp Fiction, where she's talking about um, essentially like she says it in a very like cool Tarantino way. But like what it boils down to is like true connectedness between two people means like being able to share silence together and not feeling like you need to fill the air with conversation. Yeah, that's sort of the same relationship that I think that Danny and Rusty have where they know that they can spend some time apart. And wasn't it the second movie where Rusty like is fucking Catherine Zeta Jones, who's also yeah. like in like a, what is it? Not MI6, but like some sort of like like interpol or something yeah she's yeah. like yeah she's like with interpol or something and it's just like that whole fucking thing was bonkers the first shot in the movie where like jets out of the window is crazy also generally like i'm you can cut this because it's such a tangent but what i was thinking about before when i was trying to think of, of things i think and i i'm 100 sure that's in the first movie but one of my favorite shots in all of cinema cinema and if you remember this it's 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 all there's no like uh like um diegetic sound it's just like all music and it's overlaying like they're kind of like scoping all the various like things and it's andy garcia i think demolishing no was this in oceans 13 god i can't remember those movies blend together at some points but they're demo i think andy garcia is demolishing a building right Mm -hmm. and they're watching it and the demolition goes off and everybody turns around to watch it and you see i think matt damon and george clooney in the crowd and they're the only two that don't turn around and they stay straight on looking at the camera, like in the direction of the camera. Hmm. Do you remember this shot? I don't remember this this shot was in the second one, I believe. Okay. It was, was in the first in the, one. No, this was in the first one. Yeah, it's in the first one because it, because I don't remember it from, I, I watched the first one like three months ago. Yeah, you're right. It is in the first one. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It's really like such like a, like good guys, they're, what is it? Cool guys don't look at explosions moment, you know? Mm hmm. But like, gosh, gosh. Uh, anything else anything else we want to touch yeah, on no uh speaking of cool guys um with no context that means nothing to anybody else other than us uh welcome back from that other commercial uh <laughs> i love how it kicks off with just once again uh we're like let's just give brad pitt a whole thing where he's just like bails on the current heist that he's in the middle i think that was really smart i don't know i thought that was a good decision i found it endearing um oh yeah to show that he cared that much about ruben yeah yeah then i'm just like i'm gonna not only like i'm just gonna be like fuck this heist i'm gonna answer my phone in the middle of it i'm gonna speak loudly in a very dangerous situation and i'm just gonna mask off yeah Yeah, takes his mask off and just pieces and i'm just like it 10 seconds later he's like at an airport and having a cigarette or some shit i don't even know like it's just like whatever who cares oh oh my god we did not touch on one iconic character or costume Uh for don Cheadle. When he's the stuntman. Yeah. Oh, when he yeah. Comes in, like, the boots up. Tootin oh, stuntman. Yeah. Holy cow. Did I write something from him? No, I didn't. Because no, I, I I love that character. I was too busy watching it to actually document anything he said. He was just having too much fun with that. Um, yeah, he committed. Uh, Holy I, shit. It's I wish so he got more shit funny. like that. Yeah, that's what. Okay, so that's. I was just complaining about how he didn't get it enough. I'm glad he at least got that, and then he got a hole, and then that. <laughs> they gave him another accent so that he could do something. Oh, it's great. I love that. And it's yeah. also, like, so fun because, like, obviously, like, it, it's him, like, being able to drop that, like, terrible Cockney English accent. Uh, and his name's uh, uh, Fender Rhodes. And he's like, I'm an American icon! And, like, this, this, and that. He's, like, really throwing his weight around. And he's also, like, kind of, like, one of the first, like, uh, 
And it's like the first time that we get to see that character do something like that. You know what I mean? Because we, yeah. again, like I think I said earlier, like Scott Kahn and like Casey Affleck dress up and they like start fighting. Like in that, I think it's maybe in 13, maybe it's 11, I forget. No, it's 11 where they bring the, the balloons through the casino. Yeah, yeah, and he's got, yeah. Like, yeah, a yeah. cowboy hat on and stuff yep. like that. And then Super they're dumb. like shoving each other and making a scene. And then they release the balloons up and it like covers the camera. Like mm-hmm. fun things like that. They you get to do like fun little bits like that. Matt Damon gets to like take on characters, the nose plays he gets to be, you know, they get to do that. Everybody gets to do that throughout the film. Brad Pitt is the seismologist, but like, we're really starting to see, it's like, they're just throwing everybody into situations at yeah. this point in the movie. Cause they really want to spread the love. Cause like, how much fun is it to play somebody who's like turning a fucking ruse on somebody else? Yeah. You know what I mean? And taking oh, yeah. on this character and wearing this goofy ass costume. Even the bit that he does when he comes when he comes at he goes and I'm not I'm not jumping until I get paid and then Andy Garcia is like we already paid you weeks ago and he's like well I'm not doing it until I get paid more <laughs> yes yeah like such a good boneheaded turn well I mean uh, I would imagine when that came across his desk and he was like uh, Don Cheadle and he read that and he was just fucking amped like what a fucking yep, yep. finally I finally get to drop the accent yeah for like three seconds I think they even had a book uh, in the the scene. Right. Or like he was like trying to. Yeah, he was like studying the accent. It was just weird seeing the character have to study an accent that I'm like, did you do this in real life? Did you before you did this? And then his American accent is better than his British accent. What a farce. That's it. Those are my feelings. That's my last one. Um, Aside. Um, Oh, well, firstly, thank you for talking to us slash not talking to us about this movie. Um, I say this and I mean this genuinely. I know we're in the middle of the podcast and all that fun stuff, but like uh, literally this was started as a pandemic project as an excuse to basically coerce people that we find interesting or that we like are like, we're like, oh, I want to talk to that person. We made you. Um, thank you for being manipulated uh, by my kindness into. <laughs> sure. And, and it's not going to show on the runtime of this fucking podcast, I hope, but it's been about two and a half hours now and it does oh, not no. feel like, oh, yeah. feels was, like it's been about 35 minutes. That episode will be an hour and a half long. This is one yeah. of the longest we've ever re- recorded and it's going to be one of the shortest episodes we've ever had. 100%. I'm so sorry. I gave you absolutely nothing. No. <laughs> Nick Kronberger holds that record for... Um, so thank you for, for talking to us about this movie. Um, is there things in the world that you either want to promote? Um, I forget to tell people this doesn't have to be things you're doing. They could be things your uh, friends are doing, uh, a couple things, uh, philosophy, um, a horrible idea, whatever it is. That's a good question. <laughs> I've done like a few shows and like podcasts and stuff where I've been asked to plug things at the end. And at yeah. this juncture, it's so hard on a podcast to plug things. Yeah, you know, true. because yeah. you don't know where people are listening to this. You know, even if I was doing shows in Chicago, people might not. That's what what like a waste of time. One Chicago listener, I bet we. What have a waste one of Chicago yeah time. yeah. What a waste of time to tell people to come out and see a show that I'm doing if they can't do it. What a waste of breath. What a waste of airspace and what a waste of time. And I have too much respect for your audience, Kai. Thank you. So uh, I, what I'm going to say that. is you, you, you've you heard me talk. You you know my deal. Yeah. Um, you've heard me make jokes, both good and bad. You've heard me discuss this movie both um, with insight and with uh, just absolutely unadulterated praise. And I want – what I would like the audience to do is if they want to seek me out, that's fine. You can do that, and you can do that on your own time. But I'm not going to tell you to, and I'm not going to give you any hints. This is your adventure, and this is the beginning. The treasure map is my name, and you've got to figure it out because there might be, there might be something in Al Capone's vault at the end, or you might be Geraldo, and you might find nothing. Uh, there might be sort of like this, this whole treasure chest of content. 
this connectivity that you feel so attuned to, or you might just continue to dislike me and my voice and my whole vibe and everything that I'm about. And that's fine. <laughs> but I want this to be your choice. And I want this to be your prerogative. I just started playing drums in a band. Let's come out and see us. We're called Modern Cult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Say say the name of the uh, the group again. It's called Modern Cults. We're 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 putting together an album, and uh, it's fun. Oh, it's yeah. it's it's real fun. Good time music. The songs are short, and it's kind of like indie rock, garage rock. Uh, I don't use Twitter anymore, um, and I don't do shows anymore. I write I write for two websites that I can't plug. Because cool. uh, when I started uh, uh, writing for them, they said that I'm not allowed to um, uh, use the fact that I, I contribute to them uh, uh, Ooh, when I'm more advertising mystery, different everybody. things. But if you go <laughs> to my social media profiles, you can see which web websites those are. So if you want to look at those websites and then imagine that I wrote some of the content, you'd probably be right one out of 100 times. Um, <laughs> and now you're giving them more like problems to solve. I really love how fucking yeah, national treasure out, this is. Figure out which jokes and headlines I wrote for these extremely prominent satirical websites. Um, <laughs> figure that out. Um, and I don't know. I'll see you around. I guess <laughs> I'll so see you around. What a lovely way to um, end that. Can I plug something <laughs> somebody else's? Can I plug Yeah, yeah, please go ahead. Do. Yeah. I've been listening to um uh, the new MJ Lenderman album. I think he just got best new music on Pitchfork. Mm -hmm. He's the guitarist for this band called Wednesday. It's so good. Uh I don't know. Make your own choices. Don't let any don't let anybody influence you. Oh hell yeah. I'm having a good time living in Chicago and hanging out with my girlfriend and my dog. And I want everybody else to find their own Andersonville, you know, mm. hey, you don't do need that. anything. You don't need anything from anybody. Just have yeah. fun. I, I like the cut idea that of... down, cut that out. I don't no, I want everybody down. to need me. <laughs> you don't want what? <laughs> I want everybody to need me. I need everybody to, uh, to have a parasocial relationship with me. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you this, John. I didn't know how much I needed you today, and I'm really, I did, I really did. I've been having a. a it's, I didn't have I, therapy yesterday, so this is really nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I genuinely mean that. Um, because we just, uh, sometimes you just, we're lucky and we connect with the right people at the right time. Uh, so it felt exactly like that tonight. And folks, if you didn't feel that connection, you're wrong, and uh, you should stop listening to our podcast today. Ooh, was that too aggressive, Jim? I, I mean, we should end it on an aggressive note, considering cool. we started on one. Well, let me start and be super aggressive. Thank you so much for coming. Ugh, gross. I don't know why it went Hulkamania. Uh, we're going to be back next week uh, to talk about Ocean's 8. Uh, please join us, Joe Wonderhovich, which I think I actually got his last name right for the first time. Uh, Wonderhovich. 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 Uh, you're all wonderful uh, listeners we love you so much please uh, rate review uh, follow all those things uh, it gives us an opportunity uh, to get more exposure uh, and potentially get my GoFundMe a little bit more because cat bills uh, help me I'm poor Jim anything else I don't think so just have a good life everyone <laughs> they'll be back next week <laughs> have a good week everyone perfect don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Rotten Treasure and on Instagram at Rotten underscore Treasure and on Twitter at Rotten Treasure. And go to patreon.com slash Rotten Treasure for bonus episodes, early episode release, and a vote for the next series. And be sure to give us a five-star rating and review us on any of your available podcast apps. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Thanks. Perfect.